Chapter Ten of Divers Women by Pansy and Mrs. C. M. Livingston. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mrs. Lewis's Book, Part One: The Book. The ladies of Thorndale met one afternoon in early autumn in Mrs. Lee's parlor for an important purpose. There was a previous understanding that the meeting was for all who felt interested in discussing plans for their own mental improvement during the coming winter. The chairman said, "'Now, ladies, speak out your minds on this subject with freedom and promptness.' Mrs. Peterson spoke first. She always did. "'For my part, I wish we could study or read something or other that would give us something to talk about when we meet in sewing society in other places. I'm tired going to sewing society and sitting perfectly mum by the side of my next neighbor, because I don't know what under the sun to say.' after we have done up the weather and house-cleaning and pickling and canning and said what a sight of work it is and asked whether the children took the measles and whooping cough and so on i'm clear run out for i won't talk about my neighbors and i don't keep any help i've noticed hired girls is a subject that doesn't seem to run out very soon let us form a literary society said one prepare essays and discuss some subject that will require considerable study in posting ourselves this lady was newly married and boarded therefore time was one of the things that she possessed in the greatest abundance that will never do said a busy little mother every lady who has to prepare an essay would be sure to have a sick baby or a house full of company then the most of us can only give little snatches of time to this, besides the afternoon or evening that we meet. That would surely be a failure. We want something that will not end in smoke after a few weeks. Mrs. Lewis spoke next. When Mrs. Lewis spoke, everybody always paid attention. She was a large, fine-looking lady of seventy or thereabouts. Old age had crowned her with a halo of soft snowy hair, while her dark eyes still glowed with almost the brightness of youth. Her naturally fine mind, enriched by extensive reading, and her deep religious experience, combined to constitute her almost an oracle in the little town. In all their gatherings she was the centerpiece, a very queen for dignity and elegance in her invariable black silk and soft white cap. "'Let us study the Bible,' said Mrs. Lewis." I don't know of any book we are more ignorant of. Oh, Mrs. Lewis, you wouldn't make us into a Sabbath school class, I hope, said feathery little Mrs. Etheridge. I thought we did that up years ago. I am sure I can repeat quantities of it. And she tossed back her pretty head and looked wise. The Bible is all well enough for the Sabbath, but I should dearly love to read the poets. I am passionately fond of Byron. Some of his poems are just too sweet for anything. Some of the wise ones almost thought Mrs. Lewis's text had a spice of sarcasm in it, as she quoted for answer, The testimonies of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. Mrs. McIntosh, learned and strong-mindedly inclined, said that she had heard that the ladies in Millville had spent one afternoon a week in the study of political economy, with very much benefit. They felt that their minds had been enlarged and strengthened. Her preference would be for something of that sort, 
some broad, deep subject that would require study. She would suggest mental philosophy. "'The Bible just fits in there,' said Mrs. Lewis. "'Thy word is a great deep, and Peter said that Paul wrote things hard to be understood, you remember.' "'And that's queer, too,' spoke up Mrs. Peterson. "'Such a deep book, and yet I feel more at home in it "'than in any other book you have talked about, "'and I haven't much learning to speak of, either. "'But I get so interested in some of the folks in it "'and the Lord's dealings with them. "'I've been thinking about Moses "'ever since Mr. Parker preached about his not being allowed "'to go into the promised land. "'It seems as if I was acquainted with him.' It must have been a powerful disappointment to him, after he had trudged along so many years, turned back, too, when he'd got a good piece on his way. Then it was so aggravating to get up there and look over into the nice green meadows, and know that if he hadn't let out his temper so, he might have gone in with the rest of them. I declare, I got so exercised thinking it over when I was a-working my butter that I forgot to salt it." "'I think I should like to study Shakespeare,' said Mrs. Berkeley. "'Where does one find such knowledge of human nature as there? "'Where else are such rare gems to be had by digging?' "'In my book,' said Mrs. Lewis, "'the psalmist says, "'It is more to be desired than gold, yea, than much fine gold. "'And another says, "'It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. "'Is not that a knowledge of human nature that excels even Shakespeare?' "'It strikes me a variety would suit all,' said another. "'George Eliot's writings are full of power, and deep enough for me, I assure you. "'We might read some of her books, then some of Dickens and Thackeray, "'then occasionally a book of poems, Longfellow and Whittier, "'or, if we want to study harder, there is Mrs. Browning, Tennyson, and Shakespeare.' It would be excellent discipline to try and get at the exact meaning of the authors, and puzzle out all the obscurities. It would not be long before we should feel quite rich in a literary way. In reading such works together, and talking them over, of course we make them ours as we can in no other way. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of the Lord endureth for ever, quoted Mrs. Lewis. Do you know that all those writings, valuable and good in their place as they are, when compared with the Bible, seem to me just like the grass and flowers? Now, if we have but a little time to give to study, why not spend a good part of it in studying the Endureth Forever book, because, as nearly as I can find out, that book and ourselves are the only things in this world that are going to endure forever.' Don't it strike you that in such a case we ought to be more familiar with it than with all these others? Mrs. Lewis's solemn words put a silence on the lips for a few minutes, but practical Mrs. Brown broke it by saying, Perhaps it would be a good plan for us to study hygiene. I have always thought, if we gave more attention to ventilation, and to what we shall eat and wear, and so on, we should have better health." "'Yes,' said a still more practical sister, "'that would be real nice. "'Then I was noticing in the paper "'that there is a Presbyterian cookbook just out. "'I should like to have some read out of that.' "'This caused a smile to go around the circle, "'for Mrs. Boot was one of those inveterate pie-and-cake-makers "'whose life consisted in the abundance of pastry, 
who was an unhappy woman until she had obtained the last new recipe for cake and made it up. "'I have an idea,' said a bright little lady. "'Suppose we all agree to spend at least two evenings a week in reading or study at home, then bring what we gather to the sewing society and talk it over, each one give some bit of news or scientific fact, or give a review of the last new book.' "'Oh, I have tried that a little in my own book,' said Mrs. Peterson. "'I sat up one night after all the rest had gone to bed, and read all about that Dr. Somebody with a hard name. I can't pronounce it. It begins with an S. Well, he and his wife were digging up buried cities, hundreds and thousands of years old, and finding the most wonderful things, money and jewelry and splendid vases, and all sorts of nice things.' Now, says I to myself, I've got something to talk about at sewing society to-morrow. It'll make em open their eyes, too, I guess, so I read it all over again, to be sure, and have it at my tongue's end. Well, I went to sewing society, and when there was a kind of a lull in talk, I began to tell three or four that sat around me all about that wonderful story that I'd been reading. Do you believe it? They just poked fun at my story and said— of course twa'n't true, and we couldn't believe half we read in the papers, and it would turn out like the Cardiff giant, most likely. I was going on to tell how he brought out the curiosities, and ever so many people saw them, and of course it was true. But la, one wanted the thread, another the scissors, and another called out, Mrs. Peterson, do you overcast your seams or fell em? Then Mrs. Baker said, why, Melia Parsons, you're making that little pair of pants upside down. Then they all hollered and yelled at Melia, and I never tried to tell anything more about Dr. Whitecolumn and his cities. Might just as well try to talk in a hornet's nest. This speech produced so much merriment that the chairman playfully called Mrs. Peterson to order, and the talk went on. Some thought a course of history was just the thing, in short, there were as many different plans and opinions as there were ladies, it began to look very much as if no decision could ever be reached. "'I hope,' said Mrs. Lewis, "'that I shall not be thought persistent or officious if I say a few more words. You know I am fond of reading. There was a time when I read everything, now I am turning away from it all to the blessed Bible.' While I would not disparage liberal culture, nor the reading that conduces to it, I think the time has come when we cannot remain ignorant of the Bible and be guiltless. Some people feel mortified if they cannot tell just where every line of poetry that happens to be quoted can be found. But who thinks of being ashamed because they cannot tell the author of the matchless poems in the Old Testament? I do think there are no poems like Isaiah's and Jeremiah's and the Psalms. For imagery and pathos and sweetness, all other poems are tame in comparison. Do we want works of power? He says, My word is as the fire and the hammer. Is it tragedy that our souls delight in? There is the divine tragedy. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. And the closing scene, and behold the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened. 
if we wish to strengthen and discipline our minds, and grow in knowledge, let us study the Bible by all means, for here we find difficulties enough to tax an angel's powers, and at the same time find rest and consolation, means of growth too, for we are assured that those who meditate on that word shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Oh, you do not know, if you have never tried it, how blessed it is to build up a pyramid of texts, for instance, all about God's love to us, and the names he calls us by. It makes his love such a reality. Then there are the promises, soft pillows for weary heads, and there are directions for all perplexities. I tell you there is nothing like the Bible. I have tried all the rest." like Solomon I have found it all vanity. Oh, how I love thy law! How sweet are thy words unto my taste! When this becomes our experience, life will be a different thing to us. It will not be dull and empty. You know how we get absorbed in other reading, perhaps a novel, and it leaves a gloomy, unsatisfied feeling when it is done. But the Bible is never done, and the studying it grows and grows every day." When the Lord comes, I'm afraid we shall not feel comfortable if he finds us studying hard on every other book and his laid by covered with dust. If I were to ask you what book you would advise me to spend the most of my time on, the few years that I live, whether the Bible or the current literature of the day, you would probably say, the Bible by all means, because you have but a few years left to you at most but the truth is that many in this room may die before I do. Not one of us knows what day the books will for us be forever closed, and did it never cross your minds that the Bible is the only book we will want to take with us away down to the edge of the river? When I lie down to die, I feel sure that I shall not wish for a page of mental philosophy whispered in my ear, nor the finest passage of Shakespeare. But, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, thou art with me, and I have loved thee with an everlasting love, thou art mine, I have called thee by my name, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Let us compromise this matter, suggested Mrs. Parker. Let every other meeting be devoted to Bible study, and a committee be appointed to select something from the works mentioned here to-day as subjects for the intervening meetings. This seemed to strike all favorably, and was voted upon, receiving an affirmative vote. It was further suggested and decided that Mrs. Lewis should lead all the Bible meetings. "'Then I shall take you in hand at once,' said Mrs. Lewis, and announce that the next meeting will be at my house next Thursday afternoon, and the subject will be how to use the book. I shall ask you to look out texts on the subjects, and to bring pencils and Bibles that you will not be afraid to mark. And do, dear sisters, let us give to the study of this book the same zeal and painstaking that we do to our housekeeping or our gardening or fancy work, then we shall receive a blessing, I am sure of it. End of chapter 10